The Icarus Complex Written, narrated and edited by Lyndon Cole Episode 56 Looking back on it now, I feel sorry for Elena more than anything because she never stood a chance. I strongly believed our relationship was unflappable. We were happy. We didn't have any problems. But truth be told, it wouldn't have mattered who I was with because Alice was the only person at that time that could ever turn my head. I guess I knew that deep down. I just chose not to acknowledge it. The moment there seemed to be a possibility Alice and I might get back together, or that she still liked me, I hung on to that for dear life. And it unfortunately meant the end of Elena and I as a couple. Following a rather awkward conversation via Facebook, the morning after the party, when I told Alice I still cared about her, and she rebuked me because I was still with Elena, I realised I could no longer give Elena 100% of me like I'd promised to do, and then sought to end it. Why do you always do this, Liam? Now I'm going to have to end it with her. However, it took me weeks to pluck up the courage to do so, because I still wasn't willing to be up front and tell her that I kind of still loved Alice. Such a coward. How the fuck am I going to do this? I racked my brain for weeks, thinking of a reason that would justify my decision, and let her down gently. But of course, to no avail. She didn't exactly make things easy for me either. She continued to be supportive of me during the rehearsal period, and more so, she took incredible care of me when I was bedridden and ill with a really bad case of the flu. <laughs> yes, the sex was also great, but we still never once argued about anything. Am I making a mistake here? What is going on with me right now? To any normal person, that's the basis of a relationship worth keeping. And there were times I felt like I was making a massive mistake because I couldn't falter. Look at her, man. Look how happy she is. I almost didn't go through with it, out of fear of being on my own again. And I didn't want to end something that may eventually become worthwhile. But when talks began concerning our plans once I finished uni, and her desire to go to uni in Plymouth to study midwifery, 
I rather cowardly used her ambition as the main reason we couldn't carry on. Look, I'm sorry, but I just can't do long distances, Elena. I told her, ready to break the news as I sat in the park. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to be come the end of university. And if we're apart for too long, then, well, it's going to be too difficult to maintain this. You understand that, right? But why won't you give it a chance, Liam? She told me through sobs and tears. My brother and his fiancée are countries apart, and they manage it. There's no reason why we can't. Elena, please, I can't. I really can't. I'm really sorry. I can't offer you that kind of commitment right now. I'm already having doubts that will last. But, what if I... What if I transfer to Bristol or to London? I, I, I'm willing to do that. I know you are, but... Elena, please. I just... I don't think that's going to be enough, though. I replied, fighting back the tears. I couldn't... I couldn't ask you to do that. And it's, it's nothing against you, but... I just don't trust the guys you're going to be around. I know what uni guys are like. It would just be too much for me to bear. Please don't cry. I'm really sorry. The jealousy angle was a nice touch. And wasn't one I intended to run with. But run with it, I did. She tried her hardest to convince me that things would and could be different. But my mind was already made up. There were a lot of tears. And not just from her. That I can admit. Not only was I upset for her. But I never had to end it with someone before. Especially someone who had been my best friend. Confident. Lover. And crutch for the past six to eight months. I told myself I knew what she was going through because I'd been on the receiving end of something similar before. But really, there was no comparison. Oh, why am I such a dickhead? And after everything I've put her through as well. She'd broken up with her boyfriend on account of me, only months before, and then had to put up with all the drama that came with being in a relationship with me. And all for what? Seemingly nothing. I tried being noble, not wanting to continue leading her on, and instead came out looking and feeling like a bit of a twat. Just, um, just take care of yourself for me, yeah? I expected to be at least a little cut up, and for things to be a little raw for a while. But then I very quickly realised I no longer felt any semblance of romanticism towards her. And I was incredibly stupid, letting her talk me into hanging out on the pretense that we'd been best of friends from the start. So there was no reason why we couldn't remain so. This is a good idea. Sure, I knew she still had feelings for me. Perhaps she still hoped I'd change my mind, and we'd remain happily ever after. But there was no chance of that, and I believed she'd eventually see this. Yeah, I'm okay with being just friends. 
I agreed to hanging out more, out of guilt and pity, because I knew she was hurting. But I never expected hanging out to escalate and end with us sleeping with each other routinely. Yes, this was of my doing, because I pushed my luck suggesting it. But I didn't deep down feel she'd agreed to friends with benefit so soon after. Elena, you sure you want to do this? But she did, without any real hesitation. And she jumped at the chance. And we used each other for sexual gratification. Gone were the days we used to do things and go places. We just ended up spending time together within the four walls of my bedroom. Usually at my beck and call. Yeah, I'm leaving work now. I'll see you at mine then, yeah? Conversations then became fruitless and sexually orientated. And then my patience towards some of her cute and bearable traits waned rather quickly. That's not to say there weren't times I didn't miss her or the way things were. But I think I longed for the company more so. I loved someone else more. But didn't want to remain 100% alone. So rather regrettably. Continued to try and have my cake and eat it. Until I could figure out what to do next. Things aren't ever that cut and dry though. And following Grace's party, proceedings within Titanic sped up. Due to spellbinding rehearsal performances, my role in the play was fleshed out considerably, thus ensuring my popularity among the castle rose to an unexpected level. It was still nothing in comparison to years gone by, but it was noteworthy, considering how on the outskirts I'd been, and how judgmental many of them had seemingly been from the start. It almost felt as if Alice had given them permission to let me in, or that they'd seen Alice and I talking again, and saw that as reason to give me a break. That doesn't, however, mean I considered any of them friends enough to let my guard down completely. So I continued to be weary of them for the duration of the show. But to ensure my performances didn't seem contrived, unbelievable and rigid. I knew I had to give them the benefit of the doubt. In the end, the performances themselves were okay. I can't describe them any better than that. Had I bothered to immerse myself from the beginning... I might have something more worthwhile to say about it, but I didn't. So as a result, I put in rather average performances. I felt flat, lethargic, redundant, as if I was trying too hard. And by the third show, I had had enough of being upstaged by those around me. Yo, what was going on tonight? Oh, this is shit, man. This can't carry on like this. So I decided to purchase some coke. Coax a side out of me 
that had laid dormant since our house. Yeah, it proved to be a rather foolhardy decision. There I was, supposed to be more articulate, more flamboyant and less nervous and instead ended up more agitated and more wooden literally forgetting some of my lines which meant I put in a worse performance than I ever had previously strangely enough though to those on looking I could do no wrong and many showed me nothing but praise which was nice but I had to question its validity because I knew myself and I knew what I was capable of. Still, even with the good reviews, Titanic was a heavily disappointing experience for me and there were certainly no waterworks when the curtain fell for the final time. I was glad it was over, overjoyed even. There really is no denying that. Whew, thank God this is done, man. Fuck. Such a bad idea, flipping hell. Yep. Remember, I wasn't happy when they announced the show. And even more pissed off throughout the whole period. I guess I'd been hoping I could recreate the magic of the previous year. But given my new status, that was never going to be a possibility. Because it was always out of my control. The only thing worthwhile was the favourable press and momentum on my side, I was more determined than ever to ply my trade elsewhere in a bigger and broader fashion than ever before. Since the BBC was soon to move all of their Bristol shows like Casualty and Doctor Who to Cardiff, going back to TV was largely out of the question, so I had no choice but to focus on small fringe theatre productions. At that time though, Bristol wasn't exactly bursting at the seams with opportunities. But once Titanic finished, and within a couple of weeks, I'd auditioned for a role in a comedy play with a travelling troupe, and rather outstandingly, was given the lead role. The play itself was nothing to get excited about. It had only three characters myself included, with a running time of 40 minutes, but it did mark the most lines I'd ever had to remember to date. It was called Lions, Tigers and Bears, and it was very funny too, although it didn't require that our house level of humour and enthusiasm, but rather required me to play the straight, serious character, allowing the other two to act a fool for once. To be honest with you though, not being the funniest didn't concern me that time around. It was a job, and I had to treat it as such. And as much as I was only there to perform for a fee-paying audience, at the end of the day, I was there to gain valuable experience before moving on to the next thing. Also, I found out a lot about myself during those production months, particularly during the rehearsal process. Like Titanic, 
I played a role that was different to anything I'd played before, taking me right out of my comfort zone and forcing me to flex my acting muscles in a way that I never had. I'd always been my biggest critic, but with new focus, the right script and an actual professional director, I saw a sign of me over those few months that I never knew existed. I was professional, humble, and extremely dedicated, and off script within the first few weeks, which given the amount of lines and monologues I had, was an impressive feat in itself. I never missed a rehearsal, was never late, I was always asking what I could do to improve and what worked well and what didn't. So once show week began, I was well versed and more than prepared. The performances were a resounding success too. We were sold out every night, which wasn't exactly hard considering the theatre capacity, which was just over a hundred. But nonetheless, it was still good to have so many people in attendance waiting on our every word. As good as we were, though, I never once expected the acclaim nor recognition that came after it. I also never expected to see a glowing review of the performances in the local paper. Nor did I ever expect to hear the production company make serious plans to take the show on tour, starting with a debut at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival the following year. It was a wicked opportunity, one that left me feeling incredibly humbled and beside myself with joy. Yo, it's me. Um, you got a sec? Yeah, yeah, quick call, right? Um, listen, you know that show that I've been doing? The Lions one. Yeah, 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 that one, that one. Um, listen, they've just announced they're going to bring it to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes, bruv, Edinburgh. I know, man, I'm so gassed. <laughs> Can't believe it. Yo, this might be it, you know? See, let me explain. For any up-and-coming actor, Performing at Edinburgh Fringe Festival will always remain a milestone. A rite of passage, so to speak. One that with the right production and performance will most certainly propel you from obscurity into superstardom in a heartbeat. Seriously. You could spend years training at every prestigious drama school hopping from audition to audition and still only dream of such an opportunity. And yet, without any sort of official formal training, I had somehow managed to do the seemingly impossible. I had, in a shorter period of time and in the most unorthodox of ways, somehow ended up on the path to becoming a fully-fledged theatre actor. And with that prospect on the horizon, 
I wasn't going to let anything deter or derail me from that. The level of desire and determination that I'd showed over that summer was unprecedented. And had I showed anything remotely close to that years past, I would have been a lot further than I was. Believe me, that's no flippant statement either. With everything that transpired over the past 12 months, it would have been easy for me to fall off the radar and into the abyss. But I'd been given another chance to follow my dream. One that I knew I would never trump.